What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Um, today, I'm doing an interview from LD Micro Conference here in Los Angeles. I've got the co-founder and CEO of TestLoop. Um, we're gonna be talking all about Tesla, uh, longevity, total cost of ownership, battery degradation. Um, I think TestLoop, in addition to being a really cool service, Tesla taxi service, has collected some of the most comprehensive and important data in all the electric vehicle industry by operating Teslas for hundreds of thousands of miles. Um, so really excited to have you on, Rahul, and talk Thanks. about um, just kind of everything Tesloop and, and operating a fleet of Teslas. Okay. Um, so Tesloop launched in 2015. I think you guys did like, have done like 25,000 rides in the original service. You had a five-star Yelp rating, millions of miles of, uh, done in Teslas. Yep. So can you tell us a little bit about how that concept started and, yeah. and just like a brief overview of the story? Sure, yeah. So interesting story. My um, son, who's 20 now, was 16, and it actually started as a school project for him. Um, uh, then, you know, once Elon said, you're going to be able to sleep in a car in three years, that got me and some of my other co-founders excited. So we joined in um, in 2015. And the original idea was really uh, based on this premise that Teslas and electric cars in general really shine on a, you know, per mile cost. Like the more you run them, the cheaper they are. So we said, you know, where can we do a lot of highway miles? And the answer was, let's offer kind of a long distance Uber pool. So not from like Santa Monica to Venice, but rather from Santa Monica to San Diego or Santa Monica to Vegas or Palm Springs, kind of one to four hours in a car. So we launched that, we ran it for about three years. People just loved it. Um, and uh, you know, that was really a model where autonomy was just starting and evolving and wasn't something you could really trust at the time. Um, but the economics were still really good. So uh, we ran that until last year. And then last year, partially due to some California labor law changes uh, that made it more costly to hire drivers, but partially because the, uh, you know, the when we launched, a car was $120,000. There were four chargers between here and Vegas. It took 90 minutes to charge. And now, you know, a car is $40,000. There's 80 chargers between here and Vegas. It takes... Wow. You know, 30 minutes to charge, and the cars drive themselves more or less. You know, from here to Vegas, like basically the car can completely it's drive miles. itself. Yeah, and, and wow. I've done that route like a hundred times, and doing it on autopilot is so much more pleasant than actually, you know, making sure you're driving. Okay, so so we've now switched to a model that we think is really the future. It is the robo taxi long distance model with one kind of exception. It's kind of like the dumb robo-taxi where you have to be behind the wheel and hold the wheel. But like other than that, we think it is the same thing that'll be available in five years in a fully autonomous car where you, you need to have the car to charger. So the car is going to leave the charger. Today you Uber to the car, uh, you open it, um, you know, remotely. It's all kind of digitally controlled. And um, you drive uh, in Santa Monica four blocks to the 10. We've already pushed the uh, destination onto the car because you can do that now you press navigate on autopilot and it takes you to the bottom of the ramp in San Diego or in Vegas so that's wow. it's kind of like you know the first uh, inning of automatic you know robo taxi type stuff but obviously due to laws and just the fact that the autonomy is usually but not always you know fully reliable if there's, yeah. yeah and it's fascinating because that's this whole idea of like, are people going to be operating fleets of robo taxis when this happens? And I think that's what where this is all kind of going. And you're yeah. kind of building the blocks 
for that to start just with humans. And I guess the second Tesla releases FSD, the humans are out and you guys have already built the business, the brand, the routes. Yeah. I mean, you were showing me the app. I'll put up some footage, which is really cool. You just kind of place in the city you want to go. It's like I'm looking at like trainer bus tickets, but they, they're just in a Tesla. Yeah, it's um, just like a, a cross between Avis and American Airlines for booking a, you know, a car. Really cool. And I love that concept. And in, in, in doing all this, you've accumulated, you showed this slide, I actually ran into you um, at the Sandy Monroe EV conference and you did a presentation, which is amazing. Some of the slides are from that. And you showed this slide that was like eight of the most driven Teslas in the world. You had like six of them or something. Uh, I think eight out of 10, yeah. Or eight out of 10. Yeah. Um, and the amount of miles, like we're talking hundreds of thousands of miles. So over that um, ownership, you know, EVs are very new, you know, Tesla's a new brand, not that many people have driven these cars anywhere near that distance. So can you tell us about what you found and the difference of, you know, a Model S or X versus the traditional ICE kind of competitor? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important just summary of all of that is you've seen a lot of these uh, total cost of ownership comparisons on, you know, Clean Technica or Inside EV or whatever, and everybody's like, oh, they're kind of comparable for five years of personal ownership. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. But if you take 10 years of personal ownership, uh, the Tesla is going to last 10 years of personal ownership easily. Like you won't even be scratching. You probably won't have any like kind of scheduled maintenance in that period if you go 200,000 miles or something. We have cars, uh, 465,000 miles is the top car. I was in it yesterday. We were driving to Faraday Future and um, uh, we were, you know, it just drives perfectly. Usually we rent it out every day. It makes the same amount of money as you know, a, a new car does on a rental model because it just feels new and it drives new. Wow. Um, but uh, if you, if, if you, you know, think of our total maintenance on all of our cars are over 250,000 miles, mm -hmm. um, a few of them over 350. Uh, and, you know, we're talking between 10 and $20,000 of total maintenance cost in that period. So that is, you know, incredibly low compared to a, um, ICE vehicle, and when we look at the Model 3s and model them out, we um, have kind of a, a five cent per mile set aside. So if you were to go um, 500,000 miles, we think $25,000 of maintenance Okay, is, is a general rule of thumb. Yeah, sort of? a, a good rule of thumb. I, th I think that's a little bit, um, you know, that's a Model 3 that you bought like this year, not one that you buy next year that might be much better. So if you can drive them enough, if you can drive them 300,000 or 500,000 miles, they become radically cheaper than anything else. Like a Model 3 is cheaper than a Toyota Corolla by almost 2x at, you know, 500,000 miles. And so, if, forgive me because I'm kind of dumb, I don't even have a car, but if yeah. I were to drive an ICE car for 500,000 miles, what's the comparable, like a Camry? Is yeah. It five cent, like yeah, so, so, so I think like if you take everything, if you take the car and insurance and maintenance and fuel, and um, you're probably talking for a Camry something around just under sixty cents a mile, but but you wow. you don't go five hundred thousand miles. It's inefficient to go that far because you'll continually have to maintain it. You know, after two hundred thousand. So basically, you get rid of the car at two hundred thousand, and it goes wow. who knows where. And, and so what at a high level is enabling, because clearly it's something to do with the electric vehicle architecture, yeah. there's less parts, it's yeah. a battery, so what, what's really enabling, um, it's just the simplicity of the design, Yeah, I, there's less I, things that I mean, go wrong? The, clearly like just the biggest factor is the longevity of the drivetrain, the fact that, okay. um, you know, I don't think anybody's worn out a Tesla motor so far, they have, there have been defective ones that they've replaced, Yeah, but like, 
you know, the guy hit a million kilometers or whatever. Like, you don't, you're not wearing these motors out. So, and we're talking about the powertrain, like, uh, sort of box? Yeah, the, the motor and the rest of the drivetrain. I don't think, I mean, I think the only problems people have had is with the batteries. And we've had some battery problems, uh, you know, that has been replaced under warranty by Tesla. Um, the, but we have a car over 350,000 on its first battery also. So, wow. Um, and, and it has, you know, 15% degradation or something. So it's not like new, but like um, clearly they're very close to getting to batteries that can last, you know, 500,000 miles, maybe, you know, who knows what's up their sleeve beyond that. But um, uh, so, so, so that drivetrain takes the like car cost on a per mile basis down from like 25 cents to 10 cents. And then fuel on electric is much cheaper than gas. Both gas and electricity varies a lot depending on like Florida versus California, but totally. just generally it's about half price or less on a per mile basis. Um, and um, then I think we would expect insurance to start coming down. It hasn't really happened yet. Um, and then maintenance is just radically cheaper. And maintenance really you have two wins. One is less you spend, but if you're doing commercial, the other really important factor is less time that the car is in the shop, and especially unexpectedly. So if I'm just not worrying about, like, you know, we were running 17,000 miles every month, every car, which meant we would have to do basically three oil changes a month if it was a gas car, which meant it would have been out of circulation like half the day every... Oh, so it's not even about the cost, it's about the time, the well, logistics yeah. of figuring it, out how it, Exactly, you get... and, and, and if wow. you, you know, if some, like, like once you get cars, I think, over a couple hundred thousand miles, you just can't maintain uh, reliability in a gas car with some very, you know, few diesel exceptions wow. and things like that. So it's all of these factors together and, um, you know, clearly uh, Tesla has a very holistic strategy here. They are like doing everything. And now with the Cybertruck, now you have issues of, oh, I don't have to worry about damage to the shell and the windshield isn't going to chip. Yeah, the windshield's not going to chip. Um, you know, so <laughs> exactly. So it, it's really, um, you, you know, a lot of people looked at the Cybertruck as, oh, this is, you know, designed to, you know, this is built for your middle American guy who buys a Ford 150. And when I left uh, the event, I'm like, this car was built for us, like a robo taxi fleet. Like just wow. clearly, to me, like the capabilities of you know, lockability of different portions of it and monitoring and it has its own security and everything like that. You can do the commercial potential not only for moving people, which it can do very well with, you know, six people, any terrain, any weather. Like if there's a, you know, hurricane, you're going to want to bunker up in the cyber truck like that. And it'll charge itself too, even if the grid's out. That, yeah, that's with, insane. With the, with that's the solar, so cool. I, I think that was a brilliant, like little add-on that just changes That's like the, the, my favorite the game, feature yeah. of the car. Um, but, but, um, yeah, the, the, the ability to programmatically control it remotely, whether it's what's locked, who has access to it. Maybe I'll give you access to the front, but only nine to five, and this guy has access to the back, you know, from different times. Like, all programmatically administratable. This is a complete game changer. Nobody can steal anything because of all the cameras. So it's just, um, like, there's no other, like, vehicle platform that is like that. There's some of these kind of aftermarket fleet management things, but it's completely different when the vehicle is natively digital and literally everything in the vehicle can be controlled digitally. So then it's just a question of what does Tesla expose and what do they not expose? Totally. And yeah. so how many have you ordered? 
Uh, <laughs> so I talked to a guy like two days on Facebook. He just friended me. He read a Cybertruck article in Clean Technica that I wrote. And he's like, I ordered 53 trucks. Uh, and he's like, you're totally right. Because of this kind of thesis. Yes, because and, of so this thesis. So is Tesla going to move into Cybertruck rides Yeah, as I, well? I mean, my, my general thesis on the Cybertruck is for mobility, it obsoletes every other Tesla. And, and I think, you know, the Model 3 obsoletes every other car. So what do you think about my moonshot of the Cyber van, or the, where they adapt? We're actually here with Arkhamoto. Yeah. even gave me that idea of yeah, the... I, the um, yeah, basically I, extending the cab for more passengers. Like yeah. Imagine if you could fit 10 people in there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a big question of do you do that with, um, you know, mul like generally with the Cybertruck, I, um, I agree it is a platform. And I think it is a platform also with the trailer. I think um, I would expect the trailer to have battery that is like interchargeable eventually. Um, and, and I'm a little unclear on whether you do all your innovation on the trailer and just leave the truck as it is, or if you try to make ten form factors of the different steel shapes, like a yeah, bat. of shapes. Like I'm, you know, I don't know enough about manufacturing costs and everything, but you know, there could be an argument to say just make two sizes of the truck, like large and petite, and then make, you know, a, a trailer skateboard that anybody can build a camper or a, some specialized this or that and Tesla would have a passenger trailer and they would have a cargo trailer and then basically you get the wins there because I, I, I think there's definitely some efficiencies of um, being able to uh, let's say when you're loading 10 people usually what you want to do is if you're a high-class passenger operation you want to have that there and people can kind of come in half an hour earlier 10 minutes early and wait and then you leave but if it's just the trailer now you can do that and the truck can still be moving you're not taking up the time of the, of the propulsion unit so whether it's going to a job site and um, you know having the cyber truck drop off the trailer with all your roofing shingles in it and then it goes off and it moves something from Home Depot and this and that like, like I think that modularity may be a big win in, in many cases and maybe just the most generalizable thing I mean eventually clearly you'll have specialized units but if you know, you know, there may be a thesis where Tesla is like, no, we, we can do much better to just build one thing. Totally. No changes. And then here's a skateboard platform, go to town on that. I could actually see them doing that. Yeah. That seems more aligned with like simplicity and that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, so the Cybertruck and the other thing about utility is this million mile battery. So yes. what you were talking about is the motor can go a million miles. Um, and this is one huge step. They want to make the battery go a million miles. And the Cybertruck is so durable. What this all amounts to is like, this is an amazing commercial fleet vehicle. It's just as much practical as it is looking cool, which yeah. I think has kind of been, that, that's what you're hitting on, um, which I think has just been totally overlooked. And yeah. just in a broader sense, like this to me is that I don't hear any other car companies pushing so hard on this million mile problem um, like Tesla is. And I feel like this is going to be a huge differentiator because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, if you, if you do come out with an electric car for 40000 it's just not going to last as long as the Model 3 and the total cost of ownership is kind of a no-brainer. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, do you, how do you think about the implications? Because I guess why I was so excited to have you on the show is I just don't think the auto industry has grasped the implications of this data that you have actually uncovered, which is that the electric motor is like definitively so much cheaper to operate per mile, yeah. and this nobody's pricing this in. Right, and, and there's one interesting implication of that. Um, if your car lasts a million miles, what you actually want to do is try to drive it like two or 300,000 miles a year, because what you don't want is like a 10-year-old car with like 500,000 miles on it, because then it's really old, it'll be like using like an iPhone 3 or something. Yeah, it still works. 
but it's just old tech. People won't feel good about it. So the more you can drive it every um, you know year, the better. And if you drive to Vegas and back every day, that's two hundred thousand miles a year. Um, if you were to do that, like also at night, that's about three hundred thousand miles a year. So you can definitely drive that amount. Um, and, and the interesting thing with the Cybertruck is during the day it can cruise around. You know whether it's Santa Monica to Venice or Santa Monica to San Diego with people, all their luggage if it's to the airport. But then at night it can just tow stuff. Um, you know you'd need more charging and some uh, uh, you know automated charging solutions and what have you. But in an autonomous world, or even if you're paying somebody to tow stuff. It's still going to be the cheapest way to move, you know, 10,000 pounds in the history of transportation. Um, you know, a train would be cheaper to move, you know, 10 tons or something, but, but nothing will wow. be cheaper to move 10,000 pounds than That's the really Cybertruck. Cool and, 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 and the other just random kind of uh, reaction to what I've heard about the Cybertruck is that a lot of truck people are like, I drive 500 miles and with towing this won't pull enough. Like, yeah, I think there are scenarios where the range considerations of the truck, and if you don't have charging and what have you, you'll get more and more charging. But we're all going to go electric. So you think yeah. Ford's going to be able to solve that challenge better than Tesla yeah. with an no. electrified F-150? Not a chance. No. So that's no. why even that comparison is not yeah. apples to apples. But, but the other interesting fact is if you really do drive 500 miles in tow, you'll save like 100 bucks every day with the Cybertruck. Like the cost of electricity is so much cheaper that... Yeah, you might have to wait an hour, but you'll be paid a hundred bucks to wait an hour to charge twice a day or something. Wow. So, like, you're getting compensated handily for all the time you wait. So, like, people don't factor in like full cost structure of commercial use. And and again, if you're a fleet of a thousand trucks, Comcast, AT and T, Verizon, the administratability of I know where every truck is every day. I know if it's not like, I get any data job, on any truck. Any, any data, second. I know when the batteries, I know how I can tell you how much it's worth, I know when I should sell it, I know, you know, when I can lease it out for nighttime Vegas runs, you know, to earn money back without unlocking the back maybe for passengers. You know, there's so many it, it's so versatile, it's really um, a big change. Okay, so moving moving forward a little bit, one of the secret sauces I think Tess had is battery management software. Yeah. Just software in general is their secret sauce. Yeah. And so you're, you've also been collecting a ton of data about battery degradation. Yes. Um, and it looks like over the Tesla's batteries hold up extremely well. They do lose charge kind of a little bit each year, but could you tell us about some of the yeah. findings with that? Yeah. So, you know, I, we have a sample of like eight cars, so I'd say this is not statistical. It's kind of anecdotal. But I think what we found is that, um, you know, in general, even if you treat the battery horribly, like for our first car, we charged it five times a day to 100%. Like at a supercharger. At a supercharger. Which is like the work for those non-tests, yeah. that's like the yeah. one, that's the worst, which you're allowed to do it, but it's just yeah. good practices, yeah. that's the opposite. But, you know, it went 220,000 miles, it was still a, you know, kind of relatively early 2015 model, so, um, so even with that, that's longer than any gas car would typically last, you know, and then Tesla replaced the battery because it was under warranty. You know, it's an eight-year unlimited mile warranty on the S's and X's. Yeah. Um, but like for other X's with you know over 250 or 350k, we see degradation. We still treat the batteries relatively poorly, and we, we you know cycle them a lot because for us it's a yeah, well you have to you're the type of business that's really leveraging the most out of the battery. You need to get that range. Yeah, that yeah. So, it's so not like you're just doing it to like be mean, the know? increment of you know a hundred or a thousand passengers waiting five minutes is 
more expensive than getting a new battery press, you know, when we need to. So, so, yeah. so there's kind of those considerations. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I think uh, the interesting thing about the batteries is the cost differential between the replacing a three battery, Lana said it's like $6,000, and I think nobody's ever done that yet. But, um, uh, I mean, I don't think... Like, the battery replacements are getting cheaper. It's yeah, kind of they're like getting much cheaper. Much cheaper. And the, did you look at the Model 3 data that Bloomberg came out with yeah. about degradation? That yeah. was that... It almost looked better than the data you have. Yeah. Like they're constantly yeah. even improving that industry-leading uh, yeah. battery degradation. And that may be because generally consumers treat their batteries much better than we do. Like, they don't stress them. So it, it could okay. be plus factors. But, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's hard to imagine that... Tesla does not maintain a strong lead in batteries. And the big question is, are other companies getting like closer or are other companies getting farther? And I, I feel like other companies are getting farther in terms of a holistic suite. Like maybe any one company, you, you know, if you look at autonomy and durability and uh, over the updates, battery, software, UX, games, all that, there may be like, a company that can kind of compete with Tesla on one element of something, but like, yeah. but but the value to me of the car, especially like in a commercial scenario, is you need all of that. And if, if you have one missing link, the security doesn't work, or the, you know, it's not durable, or you know, the autonomy doesn't work. It'd be like, why would like to me when the Cybertruck comes out, why would you buy a truck that doesn't have like incredible autopilot? Like, well, that, that's another thing I want to touch on is what you said is even though when you do have the driver, it's not driving itself, but it's making the drive a lot easier yeah. for for you because it's all on the highway, which is where autopilot's amazing. So that sort of changes the game versus someone driving a normal car. Right. And, and, and I think I, I maybe have a slightly uh, contrarian view on how this evolves. I think a lot of people, well, I mean, I mean, I, everybody's opinion on autonomy is like all over the map like you know Ford's like it'll take 20 years yeah. and, you know Elon's like six months <laughs> exactly but like to, to, to me like I feel like people very much think of autonomy as binary it's either autonomous or it's not and I even think like um, Elon views it that way he's like yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get to autonomy and then regulation will just follow relatively quickly a year or two after to me my guess and you know just pure speculation though is that the cars will get better and better at driving and then uh, eventually the governments I think before they say a car can drive itself will say hey you can take your hands off the wheel you don't need to pay attention because I think the scenarios that are fundamentally going to trip the car up are when like the police shut down the road or there flares in the road or there's something like really weird going on yeah and the car is just like stopped in the middle of the highway yeah, and, and just and, and, refuses to yeah. move like that's and, then you need to or it. like like i've been at the venetian casino on christmas day you cannot turn into it there's a stream of people that never ever stops they go through the light like that car an autonomous car would just be stuck there because people won't like you have to nudge your way like in mad max and, mode it and, <laughs> yeah i mean it'd be hard to mad max in, in a in a nudging mode without like hitting people but uh but but so i think there may be like, you know, in two years, the car drives better than anybody, but for another two or three or four years, depending on where you are, you can't just let that car go on the street by itself. So there may be a longer period of, of that. But, but I think for, again, for fleet managers, if you can hire, like now when you hire somebody to fix your cable, you also have to make sure they know how to drive a truck and that they're a good truck driver. And, you know, they, 
Like, I wouldn't mind if my cable repairman maybe had a DUI three years ago, but I wouldn't, you know, if you're, you, you wouldn't want him driving a truck if that was the case. So, so, but once you have really, really good autonomy, it just changes the game on like driver management, which is like there's drug testing, there's all sorts of just a whole huge world. considerations yeah. in it. And it means that so many people who could do job X if it was just about sitting in the car can do it in an autonomous car, but they can't if it's about driving. Can you tell us a little bit about how you think this evolves? How does Tesla, you know, where do you go from here? Um, how does autonomy tie into your business model and this sort of idea versus urban autonomy versus more long distance autonomy? Because you kind of have a, a variant perception there yeah. that I think is worth unpacking. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you look at um, Tesla, their strategy is very much they're going to compete with Uber and Lyft in San Francisco and LA and New York, and they're going to do that in the next two years or whatever, three Everyone years. just assumes when you say autonomy, it's like city Uber, Yeah, right? yeah. And, and we have, I would say, uh, what I think is a very well-informed, very contrarian opinion. And, and that is that if you want to make money on a Tesla robo-taxi or even a Tesla almost robo-taxi, like, you know, not fully driverless but with good autopilot, um, in both scenarios, the economics and the consumer demand is much higher on long distance. So if you have a choice of, um, you know, getting a Toyota Corolla here to take you to Santa Monica in three minutes or a Tesla Model X in 20 minutes, like, you know, for five miles, most people will just say, give me three minutes. I don't care. I just yep. want to get there. But if it's the same thing going from here to Vegas for like five hours, you're like, I'll wait 20 minutes for the Model X. Like what you care about for short term is you care about time to get to you so you need massive scale what you care about for long distance what really matters is how comfortable is it how safe is it on the highway autopilot becomes incredibly important a because it works there and b because it's five hours not ten minutes um and then uh, you said you have to make people feel like they're in a starbucks i remember yeah, you mentioned yeah. that i think that's exactly. a very underrated part about yeah. this is the people you got to deal with people still and i think they everyone's like oh it'll just be cheaper rides you'll make money but it's like well yeah. now i'm in the tesla and like i kind of want to be yeah. pampered or like, yeah Ro you know, robo taxi like, business is a hospitality business yes uh and, which and, is an i don't think people think of yeah, it yeah and that you way. want like what do you get at a starbucks wi-fi food you know some drinks a nice space good hvac um you know, and total consistency every time you go there. That's exactly what you want in a robo taxi. And Starbucks gives you nice bathrooms, and you want the robo taxi to take you to Starbucks if you need to. Yeah. So, so that's you know, kind of for long distance mobility, ultimately what you want to provide people. Um, but uh, you, you know, what's most important is none of that. It's the just the economics. Just so, the ROIC on my capital. Yeah. Like running on my robo taxi is gonna be better if I send yeah, it on so, long distance so trips. Yeah. So just really quick. Um, you know, back of the envelope, let's say Seattle to Portland, that's 180 miles, a three hour drive. You can get a flight for, you know, 150 bucks, maybe economy. Um, you know, if, if you have a, whether it's autonomous and it picks you up or you Uber to the car at the charger, um, let's say you're charging $75 between Seattle and Portland, uh, three hours, give it another hour for charging. So you could conceivably do six legs you know three round trips that's 450 dollars a day um you know wow. so and for the user experience it's like a three-hour car ride versus like 
an hour and a half flight or an hour flight? Yeah, it's, it's even less of a flight. It's 40 minutes, but by the time you get to the airport and then wait at the airport and, and go the there, and then you're thing, at, yeah. at, at Portland Airport, and then you got to get a train or an Uber down to downtown where you want to go, where it's here, it's just wherever you want to go, there'll be, like in, in three years, there'll be 10 places to pick up a Tesla in Seattle, and there'll be 10 places to drop it in Portland. Yes. And Portland actually has some nice um, uh, municipal facilities. Uh, but but at $75, that's, you know, each way, which is half the price of a plane. But you can have, in a cyber truck, you could have six people. That's like 12 bucks a person. It's crazy, crazy cheap. It's oh, cheaper than Greyhound. It's cheaper than a Chinese bus. It's the cheapest way to move people in history. And it will become the most flexible as charging increases. Um, but that's $12,000 a month of revenue versus... If you're running around Ubering people, I think Elon's estimate was like fifty thousand a year, you know, versus a hundred and thirty or something, hundred and forty. So, so you wow. you can make almost twice as much money running long distance in a per car basis. And if you want to uh, sell seats, you can make even more. Um, and, and and the thing is, selling seats um, works much better long distance because you're going to pick up five people, uh, and and you pay, let's say, a five minute. Uh, tax on each one. If you're only going like five miles, you don't want to pay a five-minute tax for five people. But if you're going three hours, it's fine. Um, so, like, there's so many things about long distance that fundamentally make the economics and the consumer experience. Like, electri electrified autonomous cars have a much higher potential in uh, long distance versus urban. Um, but Electric always beats gas, so it still beats gas on urban. It's just that the opportunity cost of not doing long distance. Yeah, people aren't thinking about yeah. that. And so, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, 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 like the, if you just do the okay, so what does this mean? Thought exercise. Basically, you let's say you you're increasing Teslas by fifty percent a year, so it's, you know, three sixty six hundred million. You know, whatever. What, you know, at some point you're doing five million cars. And you're still going to run a lot of long distance, and then like the next year you're doing like seven and a half, and now you have a surplus of cars you can use them for whatever. So like the the we're going to be supply constrained electric to like, start, one, yeah. yeah, because once you have really good autonomy, and again I don't think you need um, uh, regulatory autonomy. I think you just need really really good autopilot, and then everybody wants to be in that car for long distance because it's effortless, the insurance is much lower, everything. Wow, and that's why when Tesla, it's so much more about not a car company, it's really changing transportation, all these outside-the-box ways that you don't even think of. Yeah. Um, so what's the future of Tesla look like in five years? How, yeah. do you, how do you see all this unfolding? Yeah, and, and maybe I'll just preface with that is what is the future of Tesla and the automotive industry? And to me, I think things are going to converge to two or three platforms. Like you're going to have an iPhone, an Android, and maybe some weird Windows thing. Um, and so you're going to have Tesla, you're going to have maybe a VW Ford platform or something. With Uber, one of them swallowed Uber. Yeah, maybe. yeah, exactly. And then who knows what the other thing is. But I don't think you need 12 different car platforms and charging networks and software APIs and everything like that. You kind of, you know, the, 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 the software is going to become critical. Everybody's going to manage their cars. Everybody's going to talk to their car every minute. Like, once you're in a fleet, not talking to your car every minute is a little silly. Um, so... Uh, so I think Tesla is going to turn into kind of a hardware software platform, um, you know, not that much different than an Android platform where you might run Android in device X or device Y and build a TV on top of it or this or that. Um, and it's both kind of, you know, but in their case, it's more like Apple where they're making all the hardware, at For least now, the, they're the skateboards of all the hardware. Garden. 
Yeah. And then on top of that, we think there will be verticals like long distance trucking. Tesla's not going to operate that. You know, either new networks like Uber Freight will come up to, you know, similar to that, probably Tesla not Uber. Freight. Uh, you know, we're, we're very focused on people, but, but with the Cybertruck, you do want to mix those because the uh, device can do both, but it's kind of small freight. But uh, we think, you know, we will run long distance personal mobility, which looks like a regional airline that eventually will interface into every baggage handling system. So when you transfer, you know, when you transfer from United to Horizon, now your bags show up at the airport. When you transfer from United to like Test Loop in three years, your bag should show up in the lobby of the MGM hotel in Vegas or Palm Springs or wow. wherever you are. I mean, really like the, the uh, if you look at any big airport like Atlanta or Los Angeles or Boston, there's so many people coming from nearby cities because they don't have good airports that, um, you know, that's literally in Atlanta, probably 20 million people a year or something. So just millions of people going one to three hours to get to Atlanta. So that's an area which I think will uh, be a big part of our business. Um, but fundamentally electric uh, cars will replace trains, planes, buses, and gas cars um, just to an increasing degree. They're getting, the, the key thing is the cost of the train is not changing. 10 years ago, now, 10 years from the now. The experience isn't really changing either. experience isn't changing. Electric cars getting like, I don't know, 10% cheaper a year or something, like over 10 years. Well, you you did all this with the Model S and X to start. Now we got the yeah. three, yeah. and so. It's, you know, so. Cybertruck soon. The, the electric car, like, to us, it is inevitable that it will eat into this regional mobility first, but obviously into everything else after that. Um, but for regional mobility, it will really displace a large amount of those other uh, systems that are just not flexible. Like, it makes no sense to fly two and a half, you know, something you could drive two and a half hours. And how many Teslas are you operating now? And do you purchase, like, are you, are you expanding your fleet and continually purchasing yeah. Teslas? Yeah. So we, um, you know, we started out buying cars and hiring drivers, and we bought eight cars. Um, one of them got rear-ended by a drunk driver. So we have our fleet of seven. We're now onboarding new cars that are kind of owned by third parties strictly as an investment vehicle. Um, and there's a very... Um, uh, interesting tax benefit you can get from that because if your vehicle is commercially used you can deduct 58 cents a mile so for people with passive income basically the government pays them fully for the use of their car uh, Wow! It, and then you operate them on your network yeah and then we just operate and they act as if they're our cars but we don't legally own them and, and that that tax benefit is only available if you own less than five cars. But longer term, you don't. You're just using that because just to optimize the situation. You don't need that tax credit to make right, a right. Business. No, that just makes it really appealing for the car investor. We don't actually okay. see any of that money. So, um, you know, we have, um, would say, a few hundred people signed up to buy cars. We're finalizing the uh, insurance that we need to have on it, which is a little tricky because they're financing it. And the financer needs personal insurance, and we need two types of commercial insurance and rental insurance and everything. Um, so uh, that's kind of the next couple year strategy. And I think that uh, segues into a world where car ownership and car utilization become very uncoupled. And you know, you may own a car that eventually Comcast starts using every day. Um, you know, they may take their older cars and put them on Uber or whatever. So like once cars are appliances and you're not worried about dents and you're not worried about gaskets and you know everything about them every day uh just 
you don't need to bundle ownership and usage. You do now because if I give you a car and you give it back to me 100000 I don't know, is it an oil leak? Is it a gasket problem? Like, I can't trust the state connected. of the car. Yeah. yeah. And it's fascinating because I think what we're scratching the surface of is like, Tesla, you're already buying, you know, a bunch of Teslas to use to change transportation. And this whole concept of like, I don't own a Tesla, but how are my miles traveled? How does Tesla eat into that market share? And it's with things like Tesla. Yeah. So I think you're scratching the surface of just this much bigger sort of new chapter of Tesla that people are not thinking about. And so that's why I think it's so cool what you're doing. And I think either those test loops can expand like crazy or a million people are going to start operating mini fleets like this. But you're kind of, it's a sneak preview into the future of mobility in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and, and we think fundamentally, like, again, for long distance mobility, you don't want like a hundred little networks because what you, you've got a problem kind of like an airline for yield management or Uber for surge pricing, but, you know, it's conceptually similar, but mechanically it's very different where you have a fixed amount of cars always and you always want to keep them moving for some revenue. And, and they can go to any other place. And, you know, when we started, you could book San Diego to, um, Santa Monica, and then we added LAX, and now we add Vegas, so you can do Santa, San Diego to Vegas, or Vegas to Santa Monica, and, and at any time, anybody can book a car to, from any place to any place, so the network needs to just kind of dynamically configure. So there is some network effects here that really... Yeah, we think there's very big network effects within a region, like if, you're, if you own Southern California, it doesn't mean you have a lot of advantages in Florida. Um, you know, you might have some data advantages and scale advantages and stuff, but the network fundamentally, every time you add a node, if you add Disney, if you add Santa Barbara, Palm Springs, now you get a geometrically higher number of routes, which means, and, and, and if you have like five places in LA, now, now it's closer to almost everybody because they don't have to go to Santa Monica if they're in West Hollywood or Burbank or whatever. So just the more charging, and, and charging is the, I think, completely unrealized constraint for mobility of all types. Like, Basically now, I think when Tesla sells, like for every 500 cars, I think that's the number. I might be a little bit off, but uh, they need to build a supercharger pole. You know, so if I sell 500 cars, one pole. But if you're running mobility, like long distance mobility, it needs to be almost one to 10. And urban wow. mobility, maybe one to 25, something like that. So, and it has to be fast charging. So demand for supercharging. Yeah, then. demand for supercharging. I think is the most underestimated um, thing in the industry. Wow. Yeah. Well, this has been so interesting, Rahul. Really appreciate you coming on the show and yeah, explaining absolutely. all this. I'm going to be following Test Loop closely. I haven't ridden in a Test Loop yet, but I, I feel like I need to soon. Yeah, great. And and we're going to be um, putting out some data, uh, taking the uh, Arc Invests uh, open source uh, robotaxi models. We've modified those we're proofing it we're going to release those for everybody to kind of look at all the economics and network awesome. economics that i think will be really interesting and we'll model both uh, urban and you know long distance for people to see and i think once you look at that um the way you look at tesla will be very different because the revenue potential of a car even without full autonomy in a commercial scenario is you know such a huge multiple over what Tesla can make now selling a car. Wow. And on that, that's yeah. a great note to end it on. Anyway, thank you so okay. much, man. Have okay. a great chat.